Welcome, Jellicles, back to the Film Brain Podcast. And on this episode, we're going to be talking about the surrealist feline musical sensation of the season, Cats, because everyone is talking about it, but probably not brave enough to actually watch it. Although we are. Would you like to introduce yourself, please? I'm Alison Pregler, and I, for one, welcome our new furry overlords. <laughs> Our terrifying, terrifying feline overlords. <laughs> Normally I start these things with a plot synopsis of some kind. That almost feels like it's redundant for this movie, but I'm going to make a very vague attempt at trying to explain <laughs> the basic concept of what happens in this movie. Yes, please do. <laughs> So Victoria, played by Francesca Haywood, a ballet dancer, she plays a cat who has been abandoned in the streets, and she finds herself among a tribe of cats who call themselves Jellicles, who assemble once every year for a special ceremony where Old Deuteronomy, played by Judy Dench, selects one of them to be reincarnated as whatever they want to be to fulfil <laughs> their dreams. That's pretty much it, really. <laughs> That's a long way to say cats introduce themselves until one of them dies. Yes, basically. Oh, and I should mention that uh, there's an evil cat, Macavity, played by Idris Elba, who is trying to cheat his way into becoming the chosen cat. Yeah, was that something added for the movie, though? I feel like in the play, there wasn't even that. They just added that for conflict. Him uh, causing trouble and, uh, and trying to cheat his way in. I think that might have been an addition. I could be wrong. I think they definitely amped that up. There's a lot of CGI trickery with that character. Man, oh man. Um, Matt, do you swear in this podcast? I do sometimes. <laughs> okay. What the fuck was this movie? <laughs> I gotta say, I've never experienced a movie like this before or since. This was a unique theater experience for me. Uh, same for me. Yeah, th there was like eight people in my screening. Uh, just to be upfront, I was in a very bad mood when I went to the theater. I was having a terrible time. And then as soon as it started, my jaw dropped. I had a horrified look <laughs> on my face through much of this movie. I was trying not to laugh because there were eight people in there with me. And I don't know what they were feeling. It was utter silence, except for one line, and the old couple in front of me really liked one line. <laughs> but that's it. What was the one line? I, wanted, I want to know. Oh, they very much liked the, uh, but we're not dogs line. They thought it was very funny that cats are like, we're not dogs. Don't call us dogs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I have another story about the old couple, okay? So when, <laughs> when it started with all the previews, the movie had not begun yet. Mm -hmm. There was this ad that came up for Charmin for the toilet paper. Mm -hmm. And so the Charmin bear comes out and he's like, hey guys, it's me, the Charmin bear. <laughs> if you're anything like anyone else, uh, five minutes into the movie, you're going to need to go to the bathroom. So I'm just giving you a chance to go now. Uh, this is brought to you by Charmin, sponsors of the, the pre-movie go. And then I just hear... That's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh man, if you thought the Charmin bear was terrible, you're in for a bad time. <laughs> I don't know what they thought of the rest of the movie. I, I, to be someone who has no context for this, I at least came in knowing what I was in for and I was still shocked. I, I have no idea what this has got to be for anyone just like, oh, it's a movie about cats. <laughs> <laughs> Baffling. Well, I would be that person because, uh, I am not very familiar with the stage musical. I mean, obviously I know of it through cultural osmosis, but I didn't know really all that much about it. And having seen the movie, I, I feel like I know less now than I did before. Yeah, this is a very bizarre, inexplicable movie that's going to be very hard to talk about because as I was watching it, I was thinking, this is something that defies analysis or even comprehension. I genuinely had a shocked look on my face through a lot of this like i was completely dumbstruck by this movie and i knew the horrifying cats were in there i knew that there was the weird proportions i even knew the plot of the movie whatever the hell it is <laughs> but i still was not prepared for a lot of things that i saw there were a lot of very very strange decisions made for this movie and i i've never had that kind of reaction to a movie in in the theater in my life it was genuinely just a strange incredible experience yeah this is definitely going to be a one-of-a-kind movie Movie, probably because there will be laws against making anything like this ever again. <laughs> 
But really, can you capture lightning in a bottle twice? Can you recreate such magnificence as cats? That's true. That's true. Well, it's clearly Tom Hooper trying to recapture what he did with Les Mis, and arguably he wasn't that great at staging musicals in that instance, but uh, he's outdone himself here. Um, but I, I got a genuine question here after watching this, because, like, see, I'd seen the play version, a recording of it, in high school. Mm. But I did not remember anything about it. And having watched it again in this version, I gotta say, is Cats a good musical? (laughs) I think even Broadway fans generally consider it to be extremely weird and a bit bad? I don't even mean, like, the content as far as it being about cats. I just mean, like, (laughs) it's just introduction songs. Yes, it is. It's just introduction songs for two hours. It's not quite two hours, but it's almost two hours. It's so many words to just say, I am the fat cat. I am the old cat. I am the sexy cat. (laughs) Uh, We're the troublemaker cats. (laughs) The wording is so pretentious and long-winded for no reason. And then right around the time they get to fucking Railroad Cat, I'm like, all right, wrap it up, man. We don't need to introduce any more cats. (laughs) This is an entirely first act of a movie, and either you go along with that or not. Like, don't get too attached to any of them once they introduce themselves, because they're not really going to do anything. No one's going to do anything significant. They're just going to sit there being the fat or the old or the sexy cat. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's very hard to analyze a play or a film in this case, where it doesn't go in any real direction for the majority of the running time. It just keeps introducing various characters and then shuttling them off again. I mean, it's got this big ensemble cast, but they seldom actually interact with each other. Yeah, there was two cats whose whose personalities seemed to be sneakers. They came out and they were wearing sneakers. I was delighted by that. (laughs) But yeah, you're totally right. They don't interact with each other very much. A lot of the heavy lifting is also done by the dancers, who, credit to them, they are incredible dancers. I think, but, uh, you know, the A-list stars are kind of, like, in the background a little bit, and then they're, you know, so that the heavy lifting can be done by the the people that are less big names, and it's very strange. It's a play that has no main character, not really. I mean, obviously, you have Francesca Haywood in the main role, but she's a dancer, not really much of an actor, and you can tell that in the movie, because most of her role is just standing around listening to (laughs) other people sing songs. She's the everyman, (laughs) the audience proxy, if you will. The cat that is thrown in a sack at the beginning of the movie. (laughs) The beginning of the movie is a cat in a sack being thrown into an alley. The beginning of the movie is a shot of the nighttime sky, and there's a cat face (laughs) in the clouds next to the moon. I was expecting um, Shrek hanging out on the moon or whatever the DreamWorks thing was. (laughs) It reminded me of the cat from Alice in Wonderland, especially the Tim Burton one. It looked exactly like that. Yeah, Cheshire Cat. Yeah. It threw me off the beginning of the movie that's the only portion that you see like a human being in it Mm. you just see like the hands like someone in the the car with the sack and the proportions the proportions matt in this movie are (laughs) oh man they're tiny people that are not even cat size they're supposed to be cat but they're smaller than cats it's like the borrowers if they were furries or something but they change proportions depending on the scene it doesn't even match like the railroad scene was a perfect example like they seem to change sizes depending on the shot yeah exactly i mean it's weird enough that this is a world that does actually have humans established in it and yet they are nowhere to be seen over the course of this movie not even incidentally. This is London. There's no one there. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm glad that they only showed the one shot because I'm imagining one of these little creeps crawling into someone's <laughs> lap and being petted. God, I still have a hard time wrapping my head around these things coexisting with human beings. I think we're going around the, the general design of the cats in this movie and just, it's so fantastically wrong-headed in so many different ways. I mean, the proportions are one thing. The fact that they are clearly too small to be cats is fairly obvious. They have massive oversized sets, or massive oversized CGI sets half the time. How much of it was real, do you know? I don't know how much of it is real per se. I do I do know there was genuine legitimate sets. There were oversized sets they designed for this. Okay. Uh, I'd imagine that a lot of it is CGI, though. Like, that railway scene is definitely a CGI set. Oh, definitely. Almost there, certainly. 
huge CGI through the whole thing, but, uh, yeah, I, I figured some of it had to be real, and that is pretty impressive, the oversized sets, whatever actually is real. <laughs> the problem is the fact that Tom Hooper's idea to cast live-action actors and then CGI them into Cats um... is just <laughs> so bewildering. <sighs> just... Why? I can't think of one good decision made with these designs. It's all baffling in different ways, too. So they CGI'd the fur on them. There's no practical effects on the actors. Digital fur seen... technology, as they refer to Digital it in the feature. Digital fur technology. Um, and if this was all CGI, the fur, I think, would be impressive for the shots that, that were finished. And I know we'll get into that. Oh, yeah. So there's that. But, but with the faces pasted on... Mm. It's very weird. And they're also wearing outfits that some of them are fur coats. Like Judy Dench is wearing a fur coat that's the same color as her normal coat. So it's hard to tell where the coat ends and the skin begins. And some of them are, are in fact wearing skin. Idris Elba wears a fur coat in this movie as well. Oh man, the way he looked in this movie. he uh, they, they colored him skin toned. Yes. So it was just like he was kind of naked and glossy. Yes. Walking around. It, when he took the coat off. It was horrifying. He's not the only character who's not wearing a coat, but it was so jarring when it was him because the fur was so short. It just looked like naked glossy man. <laughs> Strange. Judy Dench looked like the cowardly lion. <laughs> the hands and the feet. Yes. I noticed the feet halfway through the movie. I'm like, oh, so they just have feet, huh? Yeah. They just have feet. That's the thing about the designs is that they don't look cat enough and they look far too human. They look like they've stumbled out from the island of Dr. Moreau, and you know what? I think the technology isn't really there for doing this with cats, but it's gonna make a fucking terrifying version of the island of Dr. Moreau in the future. Oh, man. I didn't understand the placement on the human proportions either, because, like, island of Dr. Moreau, or anything that's had, like, practical effects, like animal-people hybrids, you've seen cat-people hybrids and things before. Yeah. Um, they don't place the ears all weird and then make them have bubble heads, and they took their ears <laughs> off their normal ears off so the it was just a strange face shape they didn't like widen it out or anything to like you know with muzzles or anything that kind of you know would help that a bit or fur on the sides it doesn't help their faces are totally floaty most of the time they don't feel like they're <laughs> correct in proportion to the rest of their bodies wow um it sure is something i can't believe that uh, a director who has previously had some fairly acclaimed movies in his back catalog makes a decision and goes, yeah, that makes sense. Let's do this. Let's choose the worst, most expensive way of doing any of this. Yeah, ridiculously expensive. And like, a game I was playing with myself during this thing, as the cats were going on for, for 10 million hours in, in the uh, <laughs> seventh billionth song in this thing, I was trying to put myself in the shoes of the people making this. Mm. You know, after watching this for a while, it starts off and you're just, you're just horrified by what you're seeing. But it starts to become shockingly normal to you as you're watching, like, you start to get used to it. Mm. And you're like, am I used to this? Is this okay? And so if you were like in very slow motion making all of these decisions and creating this behind the scenes on this movie, I could see maybe how eventually you become desensitized to it. You're like, maybe this is fine. It looked a little weird at first, but I'm maybe it's okay. Maybe. Yeah, you get a little bit snowblind to <laughs> yeah. it. Everything just kind of snowballed from there with them, like, um, but not one good decision made. <laughs> no, I, I can imagine that the creative people that were leading this movie thought they were really on to something, and the actors in it thought, okay, we're placing our trust in this guy, he must know what he's doing, and all the actual people that have to do those effects are going, oh no, oh no, we have to do this? Oh no. Because that's the thing about effects people, they know what can be done. That's their job. Sure. They know what the limits of effects are. This is pushing the limits of effects and then some. This is not something that they really should have attempted to do in the first place. Someone should have given Tom Hooper a good stern talking to and told him, this is madness. This is a total folly. You need to completely reassess the way you're doing this. But no, he's committed to this absolutely insane, arduous vision so totally and so completely. It's remarkable. <laughs> I mean, take some risks, go big and commit to your vision. That's what I admire about this movie. <laughs> 
I mean, Cats is a weird show. Cats is a very, very bizarre show. But this multiplies it. If I were given the chance to fix this movie, I would change nothing. I would change nothing about Cats. Because I think this was the perfect disaster. I think the world needed Cats at this point. There's so little good going on in the world right now. But at least we have naked Idris Elba, Judy Dench, Cats, Ian McKellen doing I don't know what. There's just so much in this movie. <laughs> Tom Hooper thought to himself, no, the audience isn't going to believe people in cat makeup and costumes like they did on stage. Not when we get the camera that close. Clearly, this is the superior option. It was so much more realistic in the recorded Broadway version that I saw from, like, 1998. Yeah. Because, <laughs> I mean, if you're going to go, like, oh, it looks a bit silly with people in cat costumes, we don't want to <laughs> we don't want to film that or it won't look realistic. Well, y- you didn't achieve what you're going for with this. This is hardly an improvement. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, Cats as a musical asks you to suspend your disbelief in many ways. They are cat people singing about being cats going to heaven. There's a lot of ridiculous things about it. So you could have just done practical effects, you know, all the, the dancing and, and the way the cinematography. Like, you could absolutely still make it an amped up movie so it doesn't just look like a stage production, but not have them be this. That's the thing, is that it could have worked in that medium, but instead they chose to do it this way. And it just becomes this massive eyesore. You spend the entire time just looking at it in a state of just disbelief, almost, that they could have actually thought this was a good idea. And I know this has had a very long development history. They've been trying to make a Cats musical for decades because obviously it's one of the most successful stage plays ever produced which is in itself fascinating. Do you think back then it was the same deal? They're like, you heard about this play about cats, right? Oh no, not about cats. Yeah, about cats. I gotta go see this thing. It just sounds wild. I love when people ask Andrew Lloyd Webber what's it about? He goes, it's about cats. It's about Jellicle cats. (laughs) It's not about anything. It's about cats. Until you explained that the Jellicle is what they call themselves, I still hadn't... I'm like, what is a Jellicle? What the fuck is Jellicle mean? They keep saying it. They keep, just keep saying it over and over again. Uh, all right. Jellicle stands for Jellicle Cats. Jellicle stands for Jellicle Cats. <laughs> that doesn't explain anything. You just keep saying that over and over again. It's a bunch of pretentious nonsense that means nothing. It's literally supposed to mean nothing. So, man. I, and they added things to this. They did. That um obviously weren't in the stage version of it. Like, oh, look, we could never possibly have Rebel Wilson unzip her skin and take it off. Yes! But now we get to do this twice! <laughs> Why? I watched that going, wait, what? What? She unzips her skin and takes it off to reveal an outfit in fur underneath it. Yes. Which isn't even a, like, funny gag to begin with, but they do it twice. Once as, like, for plot reasons. Like, that's how they get out of their captivity. She's captured on a barge by a cavity and she unzips her skin to get out of the chains. <laughs> Why did that happen? I feel like that's a crescendo of weird shit that happens in Rebel Wilson's musical number. Yeah. Can we talk about the little mice children? Yes, we can talk about because if you thought the cats were terrifying, <laughs> turns out they're not the only humanoid monstrosities this movie has to offer because we have mice children and cockroach people. Oh my god. That was my first visceral reaction to this movie. When that number starts, she does Gumby Cat or something or other, and she's singing about being a fat house cat because we needed two I Am The Fat Cat songs. <laughs> and uh, she's singing and dancing, and then little mice children come out that are smaller than them, and it's like, proportionally to people, these mice must be like a centimeter tall. <laughs> this makes no sense. But it was horrifying. Those poor children. Once they see this movie, they're like, that's what we are? <laughs> That's what we were filming? The cockroaches come out and they got little people faces? And they're doing musical numbers? And apparently Rebel Wilson has been training them for this? I kept looking over at the audience with me, trying to gauge their reaction. Stone-faced. <laughs> yeah. Not one happy reaction from anyone. <laughs> I mean, British viewers tend to be quite reserved anyway, but uh, if there was registrements of horror, I didn't feel them in my screening. It just felt like everyone was kind of going with the insanity, which just only made it more discomforting. I think that's the phrase that I would describe this experience as. It's <laughs> 
discomforting. <laughs> the opening moments of the movie, I felt like I was watching a horror movie. Yeah. When the Jellicles first surround them. Oh, it was. It's scary. And the synth music, because the score is exactly like how it is in the 80s. It's so synth heavy. It was making the hairs on the back of my neck stand up a little bit. Yeah, the synth, I think we so associate synthesizer music now with horror stuff. And it definitely came off like horror. And I, I the synthesizer stuff, I was like, man, this sounds really dated. It, it, yeah. it didn't seem updated or anything. It did seem like a horror movie. It reminded me of when the trailer first dropped, someone did a re-edit of it and set it to the music from the movie Us. <laughs> <laughs> and it fits so well. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what it was reminding me of with all the cats surrounding the sack. And I think that was the idea of the tone of that scene, but why? It's got such a strange tone to this movie all throughout of it. Because there'll be musical numbers that are very bright and happy, and then will immediately smash into a sad song like Memory, and there's no time for transition. You get about five seconds, and then they just roll into the next one. There's very little dialogue in this. Yeah. But even with dialogue, there's no visual transition to smooth that over. Oh no, it's all just dark and dank London streets, basically. <laughs> it looks like Dick Tracy on LSD. <laughs> I liked the aesthetic of the settings in this movie. Mm. The The cats were very weird looking, but like the kind of dark and wet London streets with the neon and stuff. Like, I, I thought that looked pretty good. There was a definite attempt there to make it of a non-specific time period. Definitely, yeah. I suppose it has that quality to it. <laughs> yeah, we were talking about the, the dialogue. The fact that there is so little dialogue really made it stand out like a sore thumb. The fact that Rebel Wilson and James Corden and seemed in a different movie yeah. than everyone else, and they kept improvising lines. They seemed to be riffing. Yeah, they were definitely improvising, like those shit comedies that are just like, no one knows how to edit anything, and people just talk forever about whatever is on their mind. Mm. That's what's going on there. Like, they keep just adding in lines, oh, you can't rhyme that with that, or ha yeah. I could dance like that, or whatever, and it's jarring, and that's, I think, my least favorite aspect of this movie. <laughs> I think it's their, their concession to the fact that they cast, in particular, the Rebel Wilson of, oh, she gets to do her stuff. And you go, no, because that doesn't work in the movie like this. They shouldn't have given them those lines. They should have cut that out. Like, I don't understand. Who is this supposed to be aimed at? I mean, I know <laughs> at one point they were figuring that this was going to be an animated film of some kind. That was going to be how it was done for most of it. And you know what? Maybe it could have worked that way. Yeah. Because it practically is at this point. It practically is an animated film for all intents and purposes. You know what? If they animate it for adults. Don't even try to do it as like DreamWorks, same face kind of kid stuff. Just animate it as a mature quote thing, even though, I mean, the whole thing is a little bit silly, but obviously it is aimed toward an, an adult demographic, I think, the play itself. It's just very, very odd because I guess they're trying to capture a family audience with this, maybe? Even musical lovers are a bit divided on the musical. I don't think kids will understand it. Yeah, it's just difficult to understand even though they're really they're singing about nothing yeah they really are but it's just a lot of purple prose to get there so we get the point though like did we need to have like a four minute number just telling us you're a cat that lives on the railroad like it... <laughs> I mean it's a fascinating movie on a visual level because it looks so ghastly but then after a certain point you realize this is the movie it's got this one gear it's gonna stick with it and I do have to admit that after a certain point I was a little bit bored of it a little bit bored of it. Your mind starts to wander. Yeah. As the songs go on you're kind of like, alright, I get what's going on here. I get the picture. And so you start to think about other things like, are they supposed to have human hands or did they just not finish this shot? Are the feet supposed to look like that? Um, why are they so floaty? Oh, oh, I was gonna mention that. I was gonna mention the floatiness. I think you did mention the floaty faces. Well, you mentioned the floaty faces, but uh, I was more thinking, because you kept bringing up the feet. Yeah. I was watching the feet for different reasons, because this goes back to the CGI work again and doing things that are way too ambitious a lot of the time I was noticing how they were seemed to be floating off the ground. Okay, let's not dance around it anymore. This is not a finished movie. No, it's not. <laughs> it's barely completed. And I noticed when I watched it, this is absolutely insane to me. You were telling me that they were working on it up till the day before it was released.
released. And then now they're sending out updated versions again. Yes. I've never heard of this. Has this ever happened before? Like a day after release, a movie releases a more complete version? I have never heard of this before. I've heard of occasionally a director might send a special request for a scene to be snipped out. I have never seen a movie that has had to be patched before now like a bad video game. Oh my god. Some of the, the errors I was reading about, I'm sad that I didn't notice. Apparently there are some shots where you just see like Judy Dench in a mocap suit. <laughs> yes. So apparently that was one of the main fixes is that some of the shots had the actors literally running around in their mocap suits because they sent out the oh wrong god. digital prints of it. I didn't notice it if it was in my screening. This was how time crunched they were. Gosh. I did definitely notice that the effects seemed unfinished though. There were some of the shots that looked less complete than others. So like the cat suddenly had like less texture and stuff like that. Mm. Sometimes it did feel like the hands were different depending on the shot. Sometimes they looked more furry. Sometimes it was just a hand. Yeah. <laughs> the biggest effects glitch that I saw in my version, which I didn't see any outright mocap suit. So I'm going to assume it is the fixed version, but it is the floaty feet. So anytime there's a medium shot, about Half the time, especially if they're CG'd into an environment, their feet really aren't connecting with the ground properly. They always seem to be just an inch off the ground. This is especially the case in Jason Derulo's number. When they dance down the street in that medium shot, I just found myself watching the feet and how they just were glancing off of it. They weren't interacting with the environment. It was like they were just on a pane of glass, you know, just on top of it. That's weird, because they did film them doing this stuff and then CGI over it. Is it just the effect of that, adding the CGI over it? It just made them seem like they're floating? I think I would understand it if I knew how they did some of the effects. They've been really coy about how they did some of this. And if I understood more of how they did things, I would be able to estimate an explanation. So my my idea is some of this is digital plates, some of this is they've replicated the, the environments in a computer and then pasted the actors into it off a of green screen or something like that. Or they're just shooting people separately and estimating camera movements. Or they've just digitally just completely wiped them off the background plates and then replaced them on top of them empty, which m may be the most accountable reason for why this keeps happening. But yeah, there's a lot of moments where the cats seem to be dancing. Just long periods of just glancing around. <laughs> They're like, S something's going on, because the cats seem to be looking like something's going on, I guess. So there's a shot where Jason Derulo slides across the ground, <laughs> and it's so weirdly proportioned. The Rum Tum Tugger song. That's my favorite song, is the Rum Tum Tugger song. <laughs> the, like, I am the sexy one song. Ooh, the sexy cat. He's thrusting his hips. They're singing about Rum Tum Tugger. Yep. At one point, he just shouts the word, Milk! Milk! <laughs> I mean, I will say this for Derulo. He goes for it. Amazing. He is probably one of the better ones. Oh, yeah. I was compelled by his performance. Yeah. <laughs> he was my favorite cat. Like, genuinely, I was, I was really enjoying where he was going with that. <laughs> I do love that everyone was so fascinated by Jason Derulo because he said he was disappointed that they CGI'd out his massive bulge. Yeah, they CGI'd out his dick. <laughs> yeah. But you know what? He was still bringing that big dick energy. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> there was definitely big dick energy in that song. <laughs> this goes hand in hand with uh, a lot of the reviews, that which called this uh, way too horny, which is very true. A lot of this is very sexually charged. That song was supposed to be, obviously, uh, yeah. at least in this version. But no, I mean, the rest of it, uh, when they're dancing and writhing, and at one point there's a, there's a catnip orgy on the floor. I mean... Yes. <laughs> Rebel Wilson is introduced spread eagle with her legs wide apart, oh, scratching yeah. them. Fuck, yeah. She she does some weird shit with her crotch in this movie. <laughs> that was weird. I also didn't need to see James Corden um, having liquid poured into his mouth, drinking with his floaty face. Very disconcerting. The water in that shot looked terrible. It stood out to me, and it they held on it way too long. <laughs> yeah. I was even noticing things like, sometimes even the fur seemed a bit glitchy in its movement on occasion it did yeah 
Like, it was just had that kind of ripply effect. Just sort of that slight shimmer. It just reaffirms that they were doing too much. The poor animators were working themselves to the bone trying to make it work, and I feel so sorry for them. The fact that it looks so terrible is not an indictment on them. It's an indictment on the people leading those decisions. Oh, sure. But also, this just doesn't feel like it was finished. Not properly. It just feels like they were trying to scrabble this for a release date. I mean, even if this had been completed, it would not save this movie. Like, of all the things that I laughed at, it was really not the unfinished nature of it. It's just one thing piled on top of many hilarious and baffling things about this thing. I'd imagine the unfixed version is funnier, so I understand that they were in such a rush to finish this that when they were showing the movie to critics, it wasn't finished. It was 75% finished. Yeah. And apparently in the last scene of that version, Judy Dench to camera just turns into her in a mocap suit. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Halfway through the shot. I wanted to ask you, as a British person, mm-hmm. what did you think of uh, Taylor Swift's accent? <laughs> uh, it was wobbly. <laughs> I mean, she committed to it. I'll say this about the pop stars they hired into this movie. They seem like they were the ones most on board with this. Yeah, we'll do some weird stuff in this movie, sure. They seem to be having fun and realizing they're in a movie about cats. Yeah. She was very entertaining and didn't show up till, like, the last portion of the movie, basically. Yeah. But I found her accent very, uh, like, it came and went, even in the song. She has maybe, like, two lines of dialogue. But, uh, yeah, I could definitely tell the accent was slipping through a lot of it. And I don't understand why she had to do an accent because Jason Derulo wasn't. <laughs> yeah, was was he the only one who wasn't, though? I feel like most of them were either British or doing a British accent. Yeah, I think most of the cast is British. Well, with the exception of Robert Wilson, who's Australian, so... Oh, okay. But yeah, even so, I don't understand why they made Taylor Swift have to do a British accent and sing, because that's a hard thing to do. And then she sort of disappears out of the movie, because before the climax, doesn't Idris Elba say, oh, come with me and we'll, we'll do another attempt at trying to take the Jellicle ball, and then we never see her again after that point. Yeah, I kind of wonder if they filmed everything they needed, or maybe they snipped stuff out because they just didn't have time to complete even that. I did notice the editing was a bit janky at certain points. It definitely feels overly tight in some spots, even at 110 minutes. I'd imagine the play is a little bit longer than that. Oh, sure. The play is probably pretty long. But there's no breathing room in certain moments, especially uh, certain moments with movement. They seem to just cut around it awkwardly, like they couldn't be bothered to CGI those elements in. The movement in this. So, uh, according to some of the, the behind-the-scenes stuff, they uh, as they were preparing for this, the actors had to go to cat school uh, to learn how to move and be a cat. <laughs> Lordy, did a lot of this come off, like, um, acting class 101, and they're like, yeah, you're a cat, you're a kitty cat. <laughs> they're writhing around as they walk, which adds to the, like, the sexualness of it, yeah. the way that they're moving. And you can tell everyone's so committed. There's something hilarious about this like seeing all of these like well-established actors doing this kitty cat thing like they're doing this like super important movie but it comes off like they're in like improv class or something uh ian mccallan in particular i think really got into like being a cat yeah when he first shows up one of his first lines they're just they're walking and then it cuts to him and he's meow 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 (laughs) why did he just do that (laughs) he's like rubbing against shit all of them start rubbing against things at some point but he's one of the first that's like rubbing against a wall and stuff like oh he was committed 110 percent i did enjoy ian mccallum but i did wonder why did tom hooper cast people who can't sing in several roles i couldn't understand what he was singing half the time i was like is this a character choice or is it just bad i mean i know famously he cast russell crowe in les mis who basically shouted i'm java repeatedly <laughs> over and over again and constituted that as a singing voice but at least russell crowe does claim to be a singer. <laughs> Ian McKellen does not. Ray Winston certainly does not. And I don't know what we did to deserve him singing at one point in this film. Which one was Ray Winston? He was Growl Tiger. Which one's Growl Tiger? <laughs> he was McCavity's henchman on the boat. Oh, yeah, yeah, the boat guy. Yeah. The boat guy. <laughs> I did like there was a cat who just lived on a boat and he's just like, I'm the boat cat and you can't escape the boat because I'm the boat cat. 
And then they cut that off after like 30 seconds. They're like, you get the idea. Yeah, you get the idea because <laughs> Ray Winston is, is terrible at singing. Some of these songs are hilariously literal with some of it. You know, I talk about how like the lyrics were all just like pretentious and like long-winded just to say like nothing, basically. Mm. And after all of that, after like this movie dragging on for 10 million years, and then like they finally like send the, the cat off to heaven and all that. And then Judy Dench looks straight at the camera. <laughs> right down the barrel lens. She just breaks the fourth wall, looks right at us. And I am barely paraphrasing here. She starts singing like, Now you've learned about cats and all of our names because we're the cats. And you've learned some things because cats aren't dogs. And cats. Like, what? That song is called The Addressing of Cats. Fuck, it's bad. It's a bad song. I started cracking up when she started singing that. It was almost like, now you've learned your ABCs. <laughs> There's a song about names in this movie that's very early on that's performed in a graveyard. They have a whole song devoted to the fact that they have names like Buster for Jones, Old Deuteronomy, Rum Tum Tugger, Grizabella, <laughs> Bombla Lorena. This is just silly nonsense. <laughs> I thought they just added one song. Did they add more than one? Uh, like, new songs for this production? Uh, I think there's probably at least one. I know they cut one from the theatre production, so they took one out, but they added one, because obviously when you're adapting a musical, you need to add an extra song, because you need to have that best original song Oscar. Yeah, I could definitely tell which one was added, because it was the one that had the most straightforward lyrics. Yeah. <laughs> it stuck out to me. Is it just called Beautiful Ghosts? The one where she says, oh, it, I wanted to be wanted and all that. Yeah, I think it's just called Beautiful Ghosts. Yeah, it's 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 kind of jarring when they put it in there. It's right after the first version of Memories is, is sang, and then she starts singing to her about beautiful ghosts, and all of it seems like much more straightforward than the rest of the songs. It's pretty much the only time Victoria really sings in the movie up until the finale, which seems odd for a musical where that is ostensibly the main character. Did the actor do her own songs for that? I guess everyone did, right? I think she did. She's more known as a, as a ballet dancer, so that was more her area of expertise so there was definitely a lot of moments where they had her spinning on point see i don't remember as many actors as you do so i was like is this someone well known it kind of seems like it's it's a dancer so i guess props to them for like casting someone that's known for dancing for this part and doing the heavy lifting with some of this stuff she was doing a lot of impressive dancing i think the dancing itself is impressive it's just that you end up trying to have to force yourself to pay attention to the quality of the dancing because of everything else around it <laughs> oh sure yeah it's fascinating because like they're CGIing over someone who is like good at their craft but then they're covered in a bunch of floaty fur and a, b a bunch of weird shit. I mean we were, <laughs> we were kind of on board ever since that first trailer. Oh yeah I was pumped to see Cats. Yeah because I remember the day when that trailer came out and I think everyone <laughs> reacted with the same horror the sheer shock that this was the route they took the movie in. It's just unimaginable that they could have possibly taken it in this direction. Yeah like you know they'd been talking about the production for a while and I think people were like oh no they're just gonna CGI fur on them what's that gonna be like that sounds like a bad choice and then when you see it in execution it's so much more than you ever could have imagined the most <laughs> joyous movie of the season indeed <laughs> indeed you can tell that Universal's marketing department had no idea how to sell this movie after the first trailer I don't know how you sell this thing. That's true. I don't envy the marketing department, but even so, saying it's the most joyous event of the season is... <laughs> that's not strictly true. That really isn't true. I mean, I was excited about it. <laughs> I guess the most exciting event of the season. You can't miss it. Oh yeah, it's a, it's a one-of-a-kind movie. It genuinely is. We haven't even talked about Jennifer Hudson yet. Yes, that's what I was just thinking of. Jennifer Hudson. God, if there are actors putting 110% into this, she is putting like 200% into this. She's like, I am going to get every emotion out of memories into this. Was it me or did it seem like the close-ups of her actually seemed like they were the best CGI, like they paid the most attention to her scenes because they obviously knew that memory is the only song that people actually remember from Cats Yeah, and is probably going to be the one most snipped out on YouTube. Probably. I didn't notice hers looking any better than anyone else's, but uh, I imagine 
imagine they probably did make sure if anything is completed, it has to be this. Because Memories is, you're right, it's the only song anyone remembers. <laughs> Someone told her that, obviously, that she was going to get a Best Supporting Actress nom. She was gunning for all of those. Oh, man. Really going for it. See, my understanding of this character, um, what was her name? Was it Grizabella? Grizabella, yeah. My understanding is that in the play, the idea is that she is kind of an old and haggard cat. Mm. Like, she's kind of kind of messed up. They gave an explanation, but I didn't really understand, like, why she's such an outcast? Because she was hanging out with McCavity or something? Yes, yes, that was, that was the reason. Okay, was she supposed to be kind of fucked up looking? Because, like, I feel like there was a little bit of a scar, maybe, on her face that you could barely see. And her fur was maybe kind of scruffed up, but she didn't look old. She didn't look that haggard. She keeps talking about how beautiful she was was yeah but i'm like is she is she not i mean she still looks like a weird floaty face cat but i mean besides that does she look any worse than anyone else she's meant to be the glamour cat so i think there was she's meant to look a bit mottled but she doesn't though mm. she doesn't look like any more mottled than like anyone else that is true she didn't look ugly or haggard. I mean, she looked as ugly as anyone else, but it didn't look in any purposeful way. It just looked like Jennifer Hudson with some fur added to her and like a big coat. And sometimes she had some kind of like some tears and snot on her face. A lot of snot. A, a lot, lot of snot. Of snot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so she's like an outcast, you know, through the movie. She's kind of like um, hiding out in alleyways and stuff and like shying away from people and everyone hates her except Victoria sees something in her and takes her to the Jellicle Ball and then they see uh, the, the the true person underneath and she gets selected as the Jellicle Cat and then they put her in a hot air balloon and lift her off into heaven. <laughs> the scene was hilarious because I don't remember how it goes in the play, but she's... Uh, she, they just put her in a in a hot air balloon and it looks like she flies into the sun and disintegrates. Yeah, they put her in a balloon made out of a chandelier and then she fades out of existence. Yeah, I'm not unconvinced that she didn't just disintegrate in the sun. Like, these cats don't know how to send someone to heaven. She just <laughs> disintegrated. And then, like, McCavity is like, ha-ha, now is my chance! He, he grabs onto the <laughs> rope. He's like, he's gonna float off with her, like, ha-ha-ha. And then he, he loses his grip and falls onto, like, a statue. Yep. And I guess his powers are taken away or something, and so naked Idris Elba is like, no! <laughs> Hilarious. Yes, yeah, so badly executed. I didn't understand with him, too. Like, he teleports out and then he, like, says things as he's, like, poofing away. At one point, it's just like, meow! And then he says his <laughs> name. He's like, McCavity. Why? Because <laughs> they want you to remember him. McCavity. He's a cat that has wanted posters. McCavity doesn't make <laughs> sense as a character. <laughs> Did the humans see the wanted posters? <laughs> They're like, what is this? Why are there cat-sized wanted posters? <laughs> <laughs> I like his fucked up face and his evil eyes. He's basically the cat devil. Yeah. He's the cat devil. That's basically it. I love that when he teleports Ian McKellen away, because what he does is he keeps whisking away the characters, but that's not immediately apparent at first. And when he whisks away Ian McKellen, I like that the shadow makes an M shape as it does so. It did? Oh, I didn't even notice that. Fuck. Oh, man. Ugh. But yeah, the first time he does that to Rebel Wilson, I was like, did he just erase her from existence? What just happened? Yeah, I didn't realize that he was teleporting them away either. I'm like, are they dying? Are, they, are the cats <laughs> dying? I don't remember this. You know, the cats in this have magical powers. They don't explain this very much. Just, just except they have magical powers. No, they, yeah, they don't explain it at all. They have magical powers. They got, um, McCavity, obviously. He's the, he's the most powerful wizard of them all. And then you got, uh, what, what is the name of the, the magician cat? Oh, Mr. Mistopheles. Mr. Mistopheles. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, so he's sort of like the failed magician cat. They gotta, like, encourage him. And then they started some sort of romance between him and Victoria, which I think was also added. Was he the one that they, like, straight-washed? There were some people that were upset that a character from Cats who was very clearly gay was, was straight in this. If that was the case, that's the first I've heard of that. Yeah, there was something like that. Like, a gay-coded character, like, um, and then they, I guess, made it very straight in that. I don't know which character this is. Not familiar enough with the original one but uh let's search on twitter people will be complaining on twitter let's find but out the, by far the straightest thing in this movie is the victoria mr mistopheles thing where they keep like almost kissing yeah M mr mistopheles is apparently straight washed oh okay 
All right. Well, any of those people who are Cats fans and have not seen this, uh, just a forewarning. There is some straight washing in this with magical Mr. Mistopheles. It's so strange, though. I mean, this is a very overtly sexual show to begin with. Are theater fans going to be offended by a gay character anyway? I mean, it's stupid to be offended anyway, but I feel like musical theater fans are the most open to LGBT. Yeah. <laughs> I don't understand this. This is a show about horny cats <laughs> that are <laughs> trying to trying to sacrifice themselves. But no, we we need to straighten out this character because otherwise, ca- you know, the audience won't believe it. <laughs> what? <laughs> we have to have a straight romance. Get the hats in here. People are going to be in the streets if Mr. Mustafli's is gay. We got to pair Victoria up with someone. We got to get them furry shippers in here. I don't think the furries want any part of this. I think the furries are in heaven right now. <laughs> I think the furries are like, at last, a movie for us. <laughs> at last. <laughs> this is by far the most sexual anthropomorphic animal movie I think ever made. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think I think that's just generally people of bad movie fans like us just going, oh, yeah, it's a movie made for us. <laughs> this is definitely a new cult movie. I think people are going to remember this for a long time. Like, And I, I know I will see this again at some point because it is enjoyably baffling. This seems like it's Midnight's show ready in the same way that Rocky Horror Picture Show is. Oh, yeah, definitely. I think what's going to happen is, uh, and it's already happening, this is going to be a big flop. Yeah. Uh, but I think in rentals and in cult info, me, this will live on. Yes. So, uh, apparently they were expecting this to be a relatively big-sized hit. Mm-hmm. It's their big Christmas movie. Obviously, it's not going to be top of the box office, because they opened it on the same day as Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of follies. But, <laughs> they were expecting it to do reasonable business. They were expecting it to do $20 million over this weekend. They have since revised that estimate to about 7 <laughs> How much did they make um, the opening day? Two million. How much did Star Wars make opening day? <laughs> Ninety million. <laughs> <laughs> I went to the theater opening night for both things, and I was like, man, this is going to be so crowded. I don't know how crowded it'll be in Cats, but I know it's not going to be like Star Wars, so there's like a huge line, but none of them are going to my movie. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, even the people that did see this movie are not fans of it because it got a C-plus score on Cinema Score. Do you know how hard it is to get a middling rating on Cinema Score? <laughs> Apparently very hard. <laughs> the Cats reviews are some of my favorite dunks. People are just, they're going in on this movie. It is hilarious. No holds barred. Absolutely no holes barred, and clearly they were sharpening their claws, as it were, for many months. I mean, there can't be... That's that's a good pun. The sharpening their claws, that's good. Yeah. Um, there can't be that many cats apologists out there, right? <laughs> Is, are there any people out there like, this movie was good, you guys are just jerks. <laughs> I can't <laughs> believe you would... I love this movie. <laughs> Cats was the cinema masterpiece. It's not like the Star Wars discourse, is it? I think universally people can agree this is not a good movie. <laughs> yeah, I think pretty universally most people are absolutely horrified. I know that when I was looking on Letterboxd, it has a 1.8 score out of 5. And on IMDb, it's something like 2.7 out of 10. <sighs> which I feel is a little bit harsh, because that puts it in the realm of Home Alone 4. Yeah, well, I think that's just to people, like, just rating it badly because they've seen the trailer and shit like that. But, I mean, granted, it kind of deserves it, but it's not Home Alone 4 bad. (laughs) No, no, it's not. I mean, this is an embarrassment on the level that you seldom see. You know, every about 10, 15 years, a movie comes out that just infamously carves out its place in history. And this is one of them. Oh, this is going to be an all-timer. All-timer, so bad it's good, box office flop. What a monstrous disaster. This wasn't little. They they went out with a bang. I've heard people comparing it to Battlefield Earth, and that's saying something. That's accurate. I would say this is more enjoyable than Battlefield Earth. Yeah, it's also much more expensive than Battlefield Earth, so it's going to hurt a lot more. (laughs) You could definitely tell there was an egregious amount of money thrown at this, as incomplete as it feels. Oh yeah, they definitely threw a lot of money at this movie. It's very hard to compare other movies to this. This is genuinely a movie that you almost have to see to believe in many ways. I think this is the movie that spent the most money on just things it didn't need to. The most wasteful spending of money I've ever seen in a movie. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's the most money committed to a stupid idea I've ever seen. <laughs> oh yeah, certainly. 
In terms of Andrew Lloyd Webber adaptations, I know that Phantom fans hate the adaptation of Phantom of the Opera, but even so, I can watch that movie and go, I can kind of see what the stage play was like. Yeah, there's some dumb decisions in that movie, but that's nothing compared to this. <laughs> if given the choice between seeing the recorded Broadway version and this of Cats, I think I would choose this version. Would you now? Because this version is so just fascinating. <laughs> you know, I was wondering, and I think uh, I have come to the conclusion, Cats is not a very good play. <laughs> Cats is a bad musical. So the version I would like to see again is this. It's the worst version of it, but it's enjoyably so because of it. You don't want the halfway competent version of Cats. It's the best worst version. You want the full, I don't know, flavor? The full cat food of it, I guess? <laughs> this is a fancy feast for... For the eyes and all the senses. <laughs> yes, indeed, indeed. You know, that's the thing, because as you said, Cats is not a good play. If you're adapting something, the idea is to take it into another medium and try and do something different with it. Try and make it work for that medium. And that's not the case here. It's clear that they were fairly beholden to the musical. They weren't trying to change anything. And that might be the most fundamental error of all, in that instead of trying to, I guess, make some kind of internal logic out of it, they just kept it exactly how it was. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how you turn Cats the Musical into a movie with a narrative without fundamentally just changing the entire thing. I think this makes the ultimate argument that some things should probably just remain plays. Sometimes things designed for the theatre are meant for the theatre. They're not meant to be designed for cinema screens. And the fact that Cats has a lack of a narrative, it's the fundamental shortcoming here. Because even if they didn't have all the stuff with the digital for technology and all that gubbins even if that wasn't an issue that would still fundamentally hold this film back I think if they didn't have all of this other stuff added to it, it would probably be pretty boring. Yeah, like it, it still is in parts. That's true. But, you know, when it goes mad, boy does it go mad. They make you work for it. <laughs> it's the kind of movie where Taylor Swift comes down on a giant crescent moon and dumps down catnip everywhere. Yeah, catnip to make them all high and go into an orgy. <laughs> Sparkly catnip, because that's how that works, right? <laughs> so, Matt, what do you think the likelihood of a sequel is? <laughs> In 20 years, Universal's direct-to-video department will make a terrible, terrible sequel. Cats 2. Cats 2, a new meow. It'll be called Cats T-O-O. <laughs> <laughs> you thought you'd seen it all. Let's get Jellicle, Jellicle, <laughs> I wanna get Jellicle. There were so many more cats to be introduced to. It, it, the possibilities are endless. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Maybe it'll be about the decision which cat gets to go to hell. <laughs> the cavity goes to hell. The final chapter. Oh my god. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Oh man, I think we have managed to explore a movie which defies rational explanation for as long as we possibly can. <laughs> so Alison, where can people find you? You can find me on YouTube at youtube.com slash movie nights the series or on Twitter at Alison Pregler. And you can find me at FB underscore BMB on Twitter, Filmbrain Reviews on Facebook, Filmbrain BMB on Tumblr, or of course I'm Filmbrain on YouTube and also the Film Brain podcast is on a number of your favourite services including Spotify, iTunes and so forth so go on seek it out and if you have any comments make sure to tag them with Film Brain Podcast. This is it for the year and wishing you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year and wow you should definitely go and see Cats. Go see it. Absolutely see this in the cinema. <laughs> please go see it before they fix it. <laughs> yeah please go and see this before they neuter the multiplex experience <laughs> cinema is a better place for this film existing oh my goodness this really does exist this is a thing that was made should we sign this one off with a macavity i think we should <laughs> all right well i'll count of three. <laughs> one, two, three. Macavity. Macavity. 
Thank you for listening to the Film Brain Podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. Just a reminder that if you want to support my work, be it podcasts or YouTube videos, please go to my Patreon at patreon.com slash filmbrain where you can experience those episodes early, among other perks. And just a quick shout out to my Patreons, Tim Poppleton, SoFox, Inigo Almandos, Tim Tark, G Viral, Robert Murray, Henry Jacob, Manuel Jonan, Joshua Bowden, Anoy Hayek, Jonah Gustafsson, Tom Oliver Maddox. And remember, if you have any feedback about the show over social media, please use the hashtag FilmBrainPodcast.